This morning from Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. It's a common refrain that churches sing across this country every year at this time. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. This text, which we have just read, has inspired poets and songwriters across the ages, reminding us to rejoice in the Lord always. Perhaps it can inspire us as well. Even though we do not use rejoice very often in our everyday common conversation, I don't hear many people saying rejoice as they come and go. And yet it's full of meaning and used in scripture and song and poetry a good deal rejoice is to be happy glad even delighted and to show it it's a wonderful way to live it's the way we're to live as christians to celebrate love celebrate life to be joyful in the lord is the way that those of us who are disciples of christ are to embody the love of god that has come to us In Christ Jesus our Lord, we're to live as those celebrating that we know that God is alive and God's love has come to us. Now Paul is writing this and he's not suggesting that we ignore the harsh realities of everyday life. Certainly we may have experienced it personally. If you ever watch the news or read a paper these days, there's all kind of harsh realities being reported about around this globe befalling the human family so paul's not saying that there are no struggles there are no difficulties that nothing bad will ever happen certainly you may have even experienced that in your own life with the death of a loved one or an illness recently diagnosed or a betrayal unfolding any number of things that might happen that would squinch our joy. But Paul says, even in the midst of all those different kinds of life circumstances, there is a larger reality to behold. He's writing to these early Christ followers at Philippi to help them remember what God has done in Christ and therefore be able to rejoice. He tells us in the first chapter that he knows about the struggles of life. He knows that some of those early followers of Christ at Philippi are in a conflict among themselves. Paul himself is in prison. He's writing from a place that's not so great. He's even at a place in his own life 
And in the first chapter, he wonders if it might be better if he were dead. He writes, maybe it would be better if I went on to be with Christ. He knows the struggles of everyday human living. He knows that those to whom he is writing are experiencing some of those struggles as well. He even mentions that one of his co-workers that they know has nearly died, but has survived. And for that, they can give thanks as well. But despite any struggles, any circumstances that would have brought them down, Paul reminds them that from a Christian perspective, God has overcome all of this with the power of His love revealed through Jesus Christ. And therefore, He can write, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. And then He goes on in verse 5 to say, Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Paul's writings are permeated with this sense of closeness to God through Christ that we can experience the very life of God alive in our lives. And we can experience a closeness to God through Christ that can see us through any and all circumstances. And then he goes on in verse 6. Do not worry about anything. Do not worry about anything. How many of us could say that we have never worried about anything? Not many of us. Most of us, pretty fair guess that most of us have fallen short on this one. As I was reading though, this passage this week, it reminded me of a book I had read all the way back into my young adult days while I was in college. It was by a psychologist. He said there are a couple of useless emotions that trip people up. Worry and guilt. He said those are worthless. Those do not help us. He says it is because they rob us of the fullness of life because they take us out of the present. He says it is like this. Worry is centered in what might happen in the future, whereas guilt is centered in what already happened in the past. He said to just stew with your guilt or worry about the future does not help you or anyone else. How much better to learn from the past, maybe even make amends for what has gone wrong in the past, but only to feel guilty does not help. Or to worry about what might happen in the future, what might come to pass. Again, he says, just worrying about it is no help. So much better to make a plan, take a positive step, resolve and move on a leading of God would be so much better. And to just worry. Paul gives us a positive step that we all can take as Christians there in verse 6. Right after he says, do not worry about anything, he goes on to say, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I think probably all of us struggle with how we deal with our problems. As I watch human behavior, I see when people run into obstacles, when they stumble, 
when they're having problems that seem to be too much, their focus tends to become more and more on themselves and their problems. And as that happens, they tend to isolate themselves from others as well as to isolate themselves from God. They become more turned in on themselves and their lives get smaller and smaller because of the focus becomes only on themselves. Paul says there is a better way. Have a conversation with God when you're struggling. Talk to God about it. Listen for God to respond. And it will make a difference. And start that conversation with thanksgiving and gratitude. Hear it again. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. If we could do that, that would be worth the price of the whole Bible, wouldn't it? If we could lead a life where we weren't worrying, but we're in constant conversation with God, focused on thanksgiving and gratitude and listening for God to respond. Have you heard of John Kralik? He's written a bestseller. I first heard about it a few years ago, never picked it up or read it, and then recently two or three people mentioned it to me. I put the title in your outline. His book is entitled, A Simple Act of Gratitude, How Learning to Say Thank You Changed My Life. Kralik is in middle age. He lives in California. He said it happened one December he realized his life was going downhill fast, that he was in a terrible place. He decided to take a walk up into the mountains. He said he was sitting up there on a rock thinking about how terrible his life was. He was an attorney, and he ran his own law firm, but he says our firm was failing. So many people had not paid their bills, and he had not followed up with any kind of collection strategy that he began to realize not only could he not give Christmas bonuses, he may not even be able to pay his staff through the end of the year. He realized after going through two divorces that he was losing touch with his children from those marriages. He looked at himself and realized he was probably 40 pounds overweight. He said he was living in terrible conditions in a cramped little apartment where the heating and cooling did not work well. The dreams he had of who he would become as a lawyer, maybe even a judge, were slipping through his fingers. And he realized that he was in a state of despair. But he said while he was sitting there, he heard a voice. Now, he doesn't claim to be a religious person. He said, I don't know where this voice came from, but it was very clear. It said to him if he could begin to not focus so much on what he didn't have, but if he could find some way to be grateful for what he had, his life would be so much better. He said he really didn't even know how to spell grateful. That was not part of his life, focusing on goodness and generosity and 
appreciating people had not been a part of his everyday experience. And then a few days after he had that experience in the hills, he received a thank you note that really inspired him. And he, he began to think about this idea of how he might focus on what he was grateful for, on what he had. And he began to think maybe he could write a thank you note, a handwritten thank you note to some people he knew, for people he appreciated, for someone who'd done something kind or good for him. He decided he would do that. It would be a positive step. He determined that he would write one note a day, every day, throughout the coming year. He decided he was going to try to write 365 thank you notes by hand in the coming year as a way to begin to move on what he had heard the voice say. Focus on what you have. Focus on the goodness in your life. I noticed two things as I read through the book. The thank you notes focus more on people than on things. The other was that it really began to change his focus. As he began to think about others and write thank you notes to other people it really was changing who he was and what he thought about and how he went through his day so one by one starting with the first day of the new year he began to write thank you notes and he says it was unbelievable he said i was writing to all kinds of different people some friends some relatives some business associates some business foes handymen that had helped me people who had provided services even the clerk at Starbucks, co-workers, just about anybody he could think of so that he could write one note a day every day for a year. And he said, almost immediately my life began to change from my financial situation to my own mental perspective. I received a real sense of inner peace and my relationships improved and my life was different i want to read you just a few of the notes that he wrote to give you a sense of it really was a simple act and yet such a profound difference it made in his life he says the first one that he wrote on that very first day of the new year was to his oldest son he said it sparked a phone call that led to a lunch together and then over lunch his son repaid a loan that John had made to him that he said, I had forgotten I had even made. This is what he wrote. Dear son, thank you for paying back the loan. It was a great day for me because actually I needed the money at this moment. More important, it built trust in our relationship. It showed me you were growing up as a man. And that you could be true to your word. Love, Dad. Another one he wrote to his paralegal went like this. I was just reflecting in amazement at how remarkable it is that you're able to keep everything in order in our office. Nothing could be accomplished here at all without your work. Thank you for everything you do each day to keep our firm in motion. That spurred 
one back from his paralegal. She wrote, I received your card, and in response to that, I say, you are always welcome. The motivation and drive I have to work so hard is because of who you are and how you treat people with respect, care, and consideration. It is nice to know that my work is important and being appreciated. I wish and pray to God that His blessing and His guidance and protection are with us always. Paul says, turn to God and start with thanksgiving. But then Paul goes on and predicts what will happen. Did you notice that? He not only gives us a positive step, but then he predicts in verse 7 what will happen. He writes it like this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think that's what happened to John Kralik. That even though he didn't recognize the voice as being the voice of God, he knew something bigger than him was at work and was leading him, and he responded with just one small, simple act of gratitude. Say thank you every day. It really changed the way he began his day, always thinking about who he might give thanks for who he could write to that day to keep up this commitment to focus on thanksgiving and gratitude. And he goes on to testify that truly it changed his life in all manner of ways, but one of those was he had a different sense of himself and he had a true sense of peace in his life like he had never experienced before. That's what Paul predicts will happen. If we'll let our requests be made known to God, if we'll start with thanksgiving, it will change our lives and give us a sense of peace that surpasses all understanding. So we might just think about our own lives and what we focus on every day. Is it worry? Is it guilt? Is it the problems in your life? Or is it thanksgiving? Is it gratitude? Is it looking for those good things? Does it include a daily conversation with God about how your life is going and where you are? Paul says what we focus on makes all the difference in terms of our living. And in this brief passage reminds us that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, can be yours in Christ Jesus our Lord. May it truly be yours during this season of Advent and Christmas. Amen. And thanks be to God.